if, if it doesn't end up being anything, then you know we don't we don't have to post it. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Temple Skeptic Podcast. I have back with me Jim Gerard, Dice Code Divination. Um, you guys know Jim; he's been on my show like five or six times now. Um, I always have a good time talking to him. I figured I'd ask him to get together tonight because this was kind of short notice because, um, you know, I had that podcast with Preston yesterday and Dolly and they were talking about CMEs and people have been talking about CMEs for a long time. And I wanted to see what he also thought about what's going on in Ukraine and um, because he, he had some thoughts about that that he shared with me in an email. And if you guys don't know about Jim, he's the author of the books Dice Code Divination, Rise of the New Mythic Leaders, and The Hunt for Buried Treasure and the Journey to Eternity, The Singularity Adventure. Um, it's the awakened seeker in his journal of imagination that is assisted by the inner vision of owl magic. Um, so those are his books. You guys should check them out. You should get them. And he can also do Dice Code Divination readings for you, like where he does the dice readings and then he'll decipher the message. And um, he actually even sent me some dice. I haven't been able to mess around with them yet. I haven't been able to. What you do is, well, Jim can tell you. We can get into that. But it's real easy. Um, but I want to thank him for coming back on the show. Jim, how, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on again. It's a seventh yeah. time. Seven times. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. So when, when I had Dolly on yesterday, it kind of got me a little bit like worried because um, this talk of the like, CMEs and the Greys are talking about CMEs. It seems like I, I, I mean, I, I know that we can verify all different kinds of ET races, but it seems like that we can really verify the Greys because I don't know if you ever saw that guy, Paul Hamden, that came on my show. He also goes on rebellious ufology. He seems to be in contact with the Greys too, but I don't know if they told him of like an, uh, an extinction type event either. But um, have you? You said Gene Deco did a video today on CMEs, and is this a relatively popular topic? Do people talk about it a lot? Yeah, there's a lot of researchers talking about CMEs because they're mentioned in a lot of uh, prophecies and predictions of a lot of different cultures throughout the centuries. Yeah, and and um, like, is it is it a survivable event? Um, there was a guy named uh, Bill Ryan who has a uh, project Avalon. He used to be with Terry Cassidy. Yeah, uh, he interviewed uh, a French guy. He's got a French name. I think it starts with an L. Uh, several years ago, he was talking about it, and he described it as being, uh, you know blasting us back into the stone age wow wow that that's 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 what she that's what she said too so there's really no like escaping it i guess like it's like um i guess it's something that's gonna happen i mean i mean you would think that if there's these other et races out there this might be something that they can prevent but i guess with the sun it's so uh in, unpredictable like plus i well if you if you think about like, the stories of the Anunnaki and stuff, like they had the they had the power to manipulate planets and stuff like that, you would think that maybe they would be able to do something. What do you think? It, it's such a huge area of thought. Um, it's it's kind of hard to answer a question like that because, you know, like Dolly was saying in the interview, that the universe is a machine, and it does what it does. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna if it's gonna spit out ejections, it's gonna do that. Um, I just wonder if uh, you know they'll they'll either come after, like she said, or if maybe um, ETs will come beforehand and start taking people. Um, you know, like there's the Hopi traditions. They talk about um, that the ant people came and they took the Native Americans into the caves the last time a cataclysm came. Did you ever hear about that? Oh yeah, they went underground. Yeah, and and what what makes what pisses me off about all this is like the fact that you know I think Dolly said this like she said that you know they the the elites have been you know planning under under underground cities for a long time and then there's like people like you and I who I guess we just have to sit this thing out and 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 deal with it like I'm I'm wondering if there's a way that people can find access to underground. I mean, do you think that's possible? These underground bunkers that the elite plan to escape in, uh, they're just going to collapse. But but th- th- that's an underground bunker, but aren't there underground cities as well? There are underground cities, which are probably a lot more safer, but the problem with that is uh, they're going to let you in. Yeah. So you think there's people already like occupying those? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the surface of this planet is very, very dangerous to be living on. I mean, we're exposed to uh, cosmic radiation and sun flares and CMEs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an interesting topic. Like, um, you know, there's this lady I follow. <clears throat> she hasn't made a video in a long time, but um, her name's um, Reptilian Hybrid Housewife, okay? Which is oh, a yeah, funny, yeah. yeah, but like she was showing pictures of underground cities and they looked elaborate. And she even showed uh, like the, the entrance to them where, you know, trucks were going in and they were, you know, some guy was uh, interviewing people and he said, where are you going? And the guy wouldn't answer. The guy was in a truck and I guess they were taking supplies to an underground city. Do you think that's reptilian occupied? Well, it's like George Carlin said. They're in a big club and you and I ain't in it. <laughs> that's that's the way it is. that's the way it is up here though, too. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the way it is. That's hilarious. So when you emailed me the other day, uh, you you also talked about this. I thought it was interesting that there's like when you were making comparisons between like certain people in ufology and we don't have to mention their names, but like, and, and the war in Ukraine, can you, can you get into that and what you thought a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the person that I, I heard say this, I was kind of stunned by it because really a brilliant guy and everything. It's just that what he was saying was that uh, he didn't agree with Putin attacking Ukraine because it wasn't consistent with the uh, galactic agenda, but what's the galactic agenda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are we supposed to know? I mean, you know, the the Mahabharata and the Krishna books, they've they've been around. I mean, the Krishna books have been around since the 60s, but the Mahabharata has been around for thousands of years. And it's got history that goes back a million years. And, you know, these, these books of knowledge are available to the whole entire world. And, and now all of a sudden we're we're embracing some sort of galactic agenda. 
Yeah, and 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 the thing that's weird about that and uh, is like that, like there's really no evidence to back it. If you look at like the the Krishna books, or even if you look at the Sumerian tablets, that's history and that's like verified. You know what I mean? Like we can really say like Anunnaki came. You know, there was gods in Egypt, there was gods in India, and I think I could tie them together and that they all might have been the same gods, you know? And I, I think not only that, but our history goes back a long further. So I think there was definitely ET contact. But if there's a galactic agenda, I'd love to know what it is and what their plan is because it doesn't seem like they're doing anything, you know, right now. You know, it seems like there's just, like, pointless war going on that, like, doesn't need to happen, you know? Well, there's certain... Uh contactees like uh, Elena Denon. She's very sincere. She's genuine. I mean, she's the real deal. Yeah, you know, I've had her on my show. I like Elena a lot. She's she's really uh, a very nice person and has wonderful stories and she's a terrific artist and uh, the books are fantastic. Her stories are great. Everything about her is real and genuine. But I, I think the best that you can get from someone like that is whether or not you believe them. Yeah, yeah, because we're not meeting any ETs anytime. Well, we haven't met any, you know. Um, what I thought was interesting was going back to that um, Lily Nova. You know, she's um, a, 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 she's like she's someone that I look up as like she's kind of outside. She's like she's like a, she's like new ufology you know and she was channeling ufos so you know like she was taking pictures of astrology and she just like started to take pictures of ufos and what was interesting is that the fact that they actually appeared for her you know that she's having some kind of ce5 contact which makes that gives me hope that that that, like something really does exist and that they do want to contact us What, what do you think well uh i'm sort of going back in my mind to about uh 1971, where I picked up my first book on UFOs by Brad Steiger. It was called Aquarian Revelations. And uh, it was the first book I ever read, and I was really excited. I was hopeful about the future. They were talking about how there's going to be cataclysms on Earth, which we're talking about now, and that uh, fleets of UFOs would come down and rescue us off the planet, which is Basically, what Dolly was saying, and I think in one of uh, the statements that she made, and by the way, I thought that was the very best interview that you ever had. Oh, wow. Thanks. I, that's, that, that means a lot. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, that was definitely the best. I, I should put it on YouTube. I was just worried because, I, I'll tell you why I was worried, because the, the CME talk, like, that I, I don't want to get any strikes and I don't know how YouTube would look at that. So like, you know, I, I kind of was like, well, you know, what should I do? You know, I, I wasn't sure about it. So I kind of just put it out on audio for now and then I, I might put it out. You never know what they're going to hit you with. You know what I mean? Like they, they, you got to yeah. really, it's so hard to, it's so hard to judge, you know, like, but, but, um, what were we at with that? But oh, so, yeah, I love Brad Steiger too. I I love when he used to come on Art Bell and they used to talk. He was very advanced for his time, you know. Um, he uh he came up with some really good theories on, on and and he wrote so many books. I think he wrote like a hundred books. Yeah, he was good. 
Yeah. Um. What, what, what do you think? What did you think of uh, John Keel? Uh, this is off, off topic, but did, did you like Keel's theories? I, I remember I was at the Hare Krishna temple one time and this lady uh, came to the temple. She was talking to me and a friend of mine and she was talking about John Keel. And I think she said something like he was the best scientist in the world and that he had free energy. <laughs> Everybody has free energy. You know, it, it's funny. Like, I wonder if we'll ever see free energy. Uh, I saw it in the basement of a friend of mine who is an inventor. And, is that uh, is that the same guy who did the time travel? Is that I can't remember what his name was. Um, yeah, yeah. He he built a device called a star mode. Uh, I don't know if I told you the story about how we got the uranium from the uranium mine. No, no. I well, can't remember. Uh, he had to call somebody because it was government property. In fact, it was the same uranium mine where they got the uranium to make the first atom bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. Wow. So um, he, he, he was able to get into the uranium mine and get the uranium? Yeah, I went with him. Uh, oh, and then what happened? Well, we had to make a phone call and ask the government if we could go on the property, and they said, okay. And on the way there, he was telling me, uh, I hope nobody shoots us. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, what? Well, because uh, he, these guys that go off there looking for rubies and gems and stuff, uh, they don't want you taking their rubies, so they go out there at rifles. And he was telling me that he'd been out there and, you know, bullets were bouncing off of rocks and stuff. Wow. Wow. But how do you use the uranium for like a, like say a time travel device? Like, is it possible or, or, or even free energy, but like is free energy and a time travel device, the same mechanism. Well, let me get back to the, uh, how we found the uranium because it's a really interesting story. Uh, we came upon this, uh, this big rock. It was, uh, sort of like at an angle. And it was about 10,000 pounds. It was really big. And it was resting on a pivot. It, it was resting up against a, a stone wall. And if you leaned up against it, it would move. So down at the bottom of this big rock, there was a hole in the ground. It was about uh, 10 to 12 inches wide. And it went down two or three feet into the ground. And inside the hole, it was pitch black. And there was a piece of a stone uranium rock inside, and it was glowing red on one end and green on the other. Wow, that's amazing! Like, why does it glow red and green? Is that just what it what it looks like? Yeah, because uranium glows in the dark. That's amazing! Like, um, and and did he take it? Yeah, I mean, we were able to reach in there, you know, with with he reached in with his arms and he grabbed it and pulled it out. And the, the Geiger counter went crazy at five thousand rads. And what why is it but that's not bad radiation, right? That's like uh, No no that's a that's a misconception. If it if it comes out of the ground it has a negative charge. Okay. But when it goes into a nuclear power plant and they power it up, it becomes positive. And that's okay. de deadly radiation. In fact you know, in the 1950s, 
they used to put uranium on the tips of uh, the, uh, the, the needles on clocks so that they would glow in the dark. <laughs> that really? Yeah. But, but, you know, at the same time, they were telling people that, that the amount of uranium that was on these needles was enough to kill everybody of a radius of a half a mile. Wow. Can you, can you make a bomb with uranium, too? I, I suppose you could. I mean, some people have done it, but um, uh, let's let's get back to the story because I want to explain to you how this free energy thing works. Yeah. Okay, so the problem with uranium is uh, processing a rock into powder. And the way that they do it in college laboratories is they have a, a system which costs about $10,000 and it's very complicated, but he figured out a way that he could do it with less than $20 with a substance from a hardware store called lye. Lye, lye, I know what lye is. That's uh, that's L-Y-E, that's, uh, that's used for, I can't remember what that's used for. Um, re refresh my memory, what's that used for? Uh, that I don't know, but he used the lye and he processed the rock and he got the powder. And then what he did was he took these two very large needles and uh, he mixed the uh, uranium in with some type of a glue and he glued the uranium onto the end of the two needles. So they, they were like this with about a half inch space in between. And when he turned it on, there was a little ball of light in between the two needles. Oh, wow. And that's the energy. Yeah, he, let me explain to you how it works. Uh, you know, when you walk across a rug and you touch a, a knob, you know, a metal knob and you get zapped? Yeah, electric shock. Yeah, it, that's what they call piezoelectricity. What does that mean? Uh, piezo is just a type of electricity. It, it exists in nature. Like you have these piezoelectric uh, balls that come up from the earth, like inside the earth, you have crystals inside of granite. And when the, the pressure of the earth is, is pressed upon these crystals, the, the piece of electricity comes up out of the ground is what they call ball lightning. Yeah. And the ball lightning sort of floats around. It kind of looks like an orb or a UFO or something. Yeah. And people mistake them as being uh, UFOs, but they eventually disintegrate. Oh, wow. So anyway, what, what this device does is that uh, the uranium uh, in, the, in the star mode is that ball of light in between. That's what he called it. The device is called the star mode. Uh, this device would attract all of that piezoelectricity and turn it into 110 volts, alternating current, 60 hertz. So you can use it for your house. Well, he, he was powering his house with it. That's amazing. That's so amazing. So like, but, but, but then how would you, like, what do you do? Like plug a socket into it or something or? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you connect uh, some kind of a wiring that gives you like a, a plug socket. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was powering his house. The other thing is uh, his kids were around this uranium for 18 years. They never got sick from it. Because it has a negative charge, right? Right. There's a guy named Galen Wilson who did a video about 30 years ago. 
about plutonium. And at the end of the video, he took the plutonium and he ate it. <laughs> Why? I'm... Well, to prove that it was harmless. Yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, let, let's get on to the uh, CMEs again, because I want to tell you what Gene Deco had said. Yeah. Okay, he said that the original uh, timeline for the CME was 2012, and then they changed it to 2024, which is consistent with what Dolly said. But then he said that they changed the timeline again to 2031. Well, that's good for us, right? I mean, that gives us more time. Well, it might be good for you, but uh, I was kind of looking forward to it happening in two years. Oh, you want it to happen? Oh, yeah. Break everything down, you know? Because you want to live more simple. No, I just don't like scumbags. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to live simple. I I like having a computer and electricity and all that stuff. Yeah, what do you, What do you mean? You don't like scumbags? Like, well, you know what I mean. You mean like the elites and stuff? I uh, I don't want to get into it. I just want to leave it leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really interesting. I want to get into uh, the well. So, does he does he see that the, the grays? Does Gene Decode believe in the grays too, or does he like what he say about extraterrestrials? I I thought what Dolly said about the grays was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she she. I mean, what she what she said was you know, like she said they have sexual organs. I never heard that before. I always thought that they were like. And they were like robots or biological robots, but now we know. And you know what? That goes in line with what Jim Sparks used to talk about. Jim Sparks was what, a conscious contactee too, and he met the Greys, and he met the Tall Greys, and he met the Reptilians. He met all of them, you know. And he said that once you got around a real Grey, he said their energy was so uh, powerful that, like, uh, that something because we're not used to being around them, it would just paralyze you immediately. Have you yeah. ever heard this? Yeah, I think that the thing about the grays is that there are so many variations of the grays, just like, you know, you have white people, you have blacks, you have the red race, the Indians, and then you have the Chinese, which are kind of yellow. Uh, you have all kinds of variations of every species that exists has variations. Yeah. They're just and another variation. The grays, you know, they they have tall ones, small ones, half human, uh, some are us from the future. I mean, there's all different kinds. Well, that's a good point. If some of them are us from the future, then that means that we must survive in the future, right? Oh, yeah, we definitely survive into the future. Okay, so this CME isn't that big of a thing, then. Well... The way Dolan was talking about it and the way this uh, this guy that was interviewed by Bill Ryan was, was talking about this solar flare that's going to blast us back into the Stone Age. Wow. Wow. Where, where are you using the Bill Ryan stuff? I haven't, I haven't checked him out. Uh, you can find, you know, Bill Ryan Project Avalon is on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know he was still doing stuff. 
Yeah, the guy's name, uh, Laviolette or something like that. French Paul Laviolette? Paul Laviolette? I think so. Yeah, I've heard of him. I've, I've actually heard of him, I think. Like, um, that's really interesting. So, you know, if, you get, if you get into any kind of predictions of prophecy, um, you know, to be realistic about it, it's not a positive message. Yeah. That, that's what that's where you get the saying, don't shoot me, I'm the messenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because people get mad at the messenger. Yeah, I mean, you know, what Dolly was saying, uh, you know, kind of bleak, but it's realistic. I mean, you know, face it now or face it later. Which one? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to try to find a way to uh, get underground. You know, I think that that would be the best hope for me. Like, you know, I mean, because like, um, I don't know. It's it's it's. Uh, I'm not going to start digging a hole in my backyard because I don't think that would help. <laughs> you know, I want to I, I want to tell you about a question that a, a Hare Krishna devotee asked the guru. He said to him, Prabhupada. Uh, what should we do if there's a, a nuclear bomb explosion? And Prabhupada said, if Krishna comes in the form of a bomb, we will accept it. So it's like you just accept your death is what they're saying. Yeah, just accept it. Yeah, because it's meant to be for some reason. Well, I just thought it was one of the most profound things I, I'd ever heard in my life, and I always remembered that one. Yeah, I, I think that's really I, profound I mean, too. I, I guess what went through my mind mostly was me thinking that I was wishing that I was that peaceful. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, I wish I was too. You know? Yeah, some have self-realized that very, very few people are self-realized and then there's a lot of people that are enlightened and then there's a whole bunch of them down on the bottom that are just totally ignorant. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of people that are going to be really surprised if something like this does happen. Like, I think those are the people that are really going to be, like, affected, you know? Like, well, I don't know. Well, uh, a CME is uh, it's a natural phenomenon, for one thing. Um, they've got these kind of bombs that they can explode in the atmosphere that do the same thing as a, a CME. Uh, they, have, they haven't blown them off yet, but uh, I, I think it would be hard to tell whether or not, you know, if the grid system went out, you wouldn't really know if it was a solar flare or one of these bombs. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a scary thing. I think the grid system going out, you know, I'm definitely, uh, I don't know. Well, if the grid system goes out, uh, of course, it's going to be hard to uh, survive. But uh, I, I've got uh, survival gear and I've got knowledge about how to take water from the stream, which is right outside my door, and uh, uh, distill it and be able to drink it. And that water is totally poisonous. And what, why, why is it poisonous right now? Is it just all, all the streams in the United States are poison all of them 
Well, I no, you mean so there's no more fresh spring water? No. They're all poison. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, but with the with the chemtrails and stuff like that. No, not chemtrails. Just uh, dumping. Well, but uh, you know, speaking of chemtrails, I I really wanted to talk to you about the uh, the UFO encounter in Italy, nineteen fifty six. What's that? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Did you ever hear the Friends documentary? The what? Friends? No. Oh, you've never heard of this one. I'm I'm surprised Preston Dennett didn't cover it. Okay, in 1956, there were some Italians that were contacted by an ET group that lived. Oh in wait, the I have heard of this. Yeah, they they they, they, they yeah. I I did hear this case before. Yeah, they, they, but um, it's called the friendship friendship case. The friendship right. case. Yeah, sometimes it, they show it at the friends. Yeah. Okay, what happened was uh, they were doing favors for these ETs. And at first they were, you know, requesting fruits and vegetables. So, you know, the truck would pull up, they would distract the driver and get him out of there. And then they would unload the pallets. And then the ETs would take the, the pallets with the fruits and vegetables, okay? So now after a while, they started asking for barium, and strontium. Why was that? Why did they ask for that? Okay, the thing I want to tie in with this is the chemtrails. Okay, chemtrails, two of the main ingredients of chemtrails is barium and strontium. Wow. So the, the ETs were poisoning us, maybe? Well, I'm kind of speculating at this point, but I, I wanted to bring out a point about chemtrails, which is... Well, wait, did you listen to that podcast I did with Dr. Michael Lynch recently about chemtrails? Like, it's on my Facebook page. Like, I, let me just tell you what he said. He said that a lot of the chemtrails are nuclear waste. He said they don't have anywhere to put the nuclear waste, so they load it into planes, and then they spray it in the atmosphere before it rains open that it'll disperse, but it doesn't disperse, it just basically poisons us. And he said he thinks people are going to die from emphysema in 40 years because of all these chemtrails, you know? That's why I said our water, too, because, like, you know, like, I don't know. Well, anyway, getting back to the story, um, they were getting barium and strontium from these truckloads, and the Chemtrailings started around 1956. Wow. That, that, that does tie in together, definitely. It ties in together, but nobody ever noticed it. Yeah, that's pretty smart that you put that together. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to find out if, uh, if they connect, but, you know, why would they be asking for barium and strontium in 1956? Yeah, unless unless they were trying to affect the atmosphere somehow. What what else would you use it for? Yeah. And they gave it to them? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know if that's a smart that was a smart move, you know? Well that's I what think was we, happened. Nineteen fifty six that happened. Wow, yeah. It seems like it's what's weird is like it seems like a lot of these cases started happening. 
after the 40, after World War II. You know, um, it, it, I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, Crowley or whoever opened up a portal, um, you know, or, or if they're really extraterrestrial, like people like Dolly say, but I, something in me tells me that they might be like from another dimension. And it, it still means that they could be from another planet, but like, and then something also else tells me that they don't have our best intentions in mind, like any of them, you know, like, you know, they, they all have their own agenda, you know, they want to, their race to survive, right? So like, well, the, the portal that was opened by Alistair Crowley, he, he wasn't able to close it. Yeah, so that, that so I can see why things would come through, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, tie-ins with uh, Jack Parsons that goes along with opening portals and black magic and all the occult stuff. And uh, I mean, they, they were like pioneers of... Uh, you know, getting into things that were just basically taboo. Yeah, they wanted to uh, make a moon child, right? They wanted to make a what? A moon child, they called it. Like, they, it, it was like a sex ma magic act. Crowley, Jack Parsons, and uh, they used a woman. I don't know who it was, but um, they went out to the desert and performed sex magic. And they were trying to bring a child into the world that would be like the Antichrist. Yeah, Alistair Crowley, um, he wasn't exactly the kind of guy you'd want to have on a soccer team. <laughs> he made really good jokes. <laughs> but that's hilarious. I mean, he, he was a real nasty human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean look at Adolf Hitler. Um, he, he's considered to be uh, a great, you know, figure in human history and stuff, but, uh, you know, just wasn't a good human being. Yeah. Yeah. He was a horrible human being. Yeah, but great in the eyes of history. You mean like, well, like what he was able to accomplish for the, I mean, like for his people, I guess. And, um, you know, like um, he, he, it's weird because every bad person has like, weird characteristics about them like he said like saddam hussein was into like american movies and stuff you know he liked westerns and stuff like that like you know but what makes you wonder why some of these psychotic people what they go to the lengths that they do like for example like take putin for example like he was you know relatively quiet for the last 20 years i mean he's been in, he's been in president of russia since but way back in 2001 he was president when 9-11 hit. I remember him sending a message to America when 9-11 hit, and he was like, you know, condolences from Russia. Now, all of a sudden, he's invading countries, and it seems like he wants to go out, and he somehow is turning into a madman, you know? Well, I think there may, may be some truth to uh, human trafficking and biolabs and all that stuff, and maybe that's why they went into Ukraine, but my personal feeling about Russia is that they're a big, strong country. They've got lots of wealth. Why don't they produce free energy? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine how the world would change if you had a little box that could power your whole house? You could take it with you. You can go camping. Have yeah. A little, have a little heater inside of a tent. That'd be amazing. 
you take it with you. Yeah. Why why can't they do that? Well, that's the, they don't think like that, you know. That even though, like one time, Putin said the world, the world's ruling elite are reptilians. Like he said that he, you know, he said he said the world's ruling elite are reptilians. I used to have that video on my channel of him talking about that. But like, um, you would think if he if he made the remark like that, that someone like him would want free energy. But maybe, maybe it's above his pay grade. You know, maybe. It's like how it is here in the States where the president isn't completely in charge. You know, there's uh, a shadow government. You know, there's probably a shadow government in Russia that controls things the way shadow government might control things here. And they won't let that get out. You know, they'll never let free energy get out because you got to understand. Well, you know this. It's it, and it's not the, the, the fossil fuel energy or field would never let that go. Free energy. You know, they would never. You know, because they make too much money off fossil fuels. You know, they make so much. The oil companies make so much off oil and plastic, and you know, it's crazy. Um, I don't think they would ever let us have free energy. Well, um, I think the last time we spoke, I told you about these dream agents that were attacking me and stuff, and I defeated them. I, I made it into the book of knowledge. And I found out that the new technology is going to be released. Well, how, but how though? That's what I'd love to know. You know, what, did they? Did they ever? Did you ever figure out how? I didn't get the details. It was just that that one revelation about the new technology being released into the public. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, eventually. Even if it doesn't get released into the public, I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a CME that's going to blast us back into the Stone Age. And, you know, we're going to have to start all over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, do you think they would be able to put something together after a CME, like with, with, uh, with free energy? Yeah, it's going to take a long time, though, because, uh, you know, you, you're talking about uh, inventing a battery all over again. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be really hard to do. I mean, there are some people that have the knowledge and they can, they can put batteries together. And, but, I mean, you know, the... Uh, the electronic parts and everything that you need to put it together and the, the assembly line and everything else, none of that's going to be in existence. I mean, it, you know, it's going to be like a caveman walking out of a cave with a bone in his hand and, you know, bop the head off of some animal to eat it or something. Yeah. I, unless you got like a storage of a couple of years worth of food, but then, uh, what are you going to do? Feed the neighborhood? No, oh, man. This this could get really bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, they they could just break down your door and take your bag of rice or whatever it is that you have, and then you probably kill you in the process. <laughs> and I I hope something like this. I hope we don't have a CME. I really hope we we don't. You know. Well, I, I kind of like the idea of Lord Shiva, who is the destroyer. 
You know, my opinion about the material world is that the material world is a place of entertainment. Yeah. I, I think that the reason we came here was because we must have been like desperately bored. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you know, sense. So, so bored that being in a place like this is exciting. Yeah. Because this is like hell. Yeah. It's it's not like hell, it is hell. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. Yeah, but it's entertaining. It is. It's a game. You gotta play the game. You it's know? a theater. It's a cosmic theater, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. The the trickster is playing tricks on the fool is what's happening. Yeah, and we're all the fools. We're all the fool, you know. But we're also the trickster. Yeah, if you can manipulate the game, that's what it is. That's why I always like to look at it as like a simulation. And, you know, if you look at like the law of attraction, you can kind of create your own reality to some extent, you know. Yeah, you can, yeah. But it's hard. You know, you got to, I don't know. Uh, I was wondering if we had enough time for me to tell you a, a dice code story. Yeah, yeah. I want to tie in with the timelines because um, the timeline can be changed if you know about it ahead of time. So you're saying we could change the CME? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that's changeable. Okay. I think that's more tied in with you know what Dolly was saying about the universe being a machine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it does what it does, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, around 2012, I, I did a reading. And the reading said that 20 people would be shot dead by Uzis. Which is a type of, you know, shotgun, as far as I, I know. Machine gun. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so I took this to be some kind of a drug deal that went bad. But then down on the bottom of the reading, it said, if someone chants mantras to Lord Shiva, this can be avoided. Okay, so I thought about that and I, I knew a, a married couple out in Japan. Uh, she was a Shivite, her husband was a Hare Krishna. And I used to talk to them on Zoom every once in a while. And I was thinking about them and I was thinking about asking them to chant some mantras to Lord Shiva because they did that like on a regular basis. But I, for some reason, I decided not to do that. And then I did another reading. And then this reading said that the timeline had been avoided. So then I thought to myself, well, how can the timeline be avoided? I, I never spoke to them. I never asked them to chant mantras to Lord Shiva. About 10 minutes later, I got a call on Zoom, and it was them from Japan. And they said to me, we just got done chanting mantras to Lord Shiva. Wow. So they knew somehow. Yeah, it was as if they knew. I, I don't know if they knew, but it, it seemed as though something led them like they knew what to do or something connected with this reading and what I was thinking, everything all tied together. 
Well, let me ask you this. Do you think these entities are real? Like Lord Shiva is real? Definitely for... What do you... Well, what would lead you to think that they're not real? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the Anunnaki are real too. Like, do you think they're the same gods? No. The Anunnaki are not gods. They're demigods. Well, yeah. Okay. You know, demigods are like lesser gods. That's what demigod means, actually. And they have powers and they have technology and they have influence and they're kind of magical and you know, some are good, some are evil. Uh, you know, there's demigods on this planet. Yeah. But well, they're they not, said they're not, they're not part of the Godhead at all. Well, they said that, like, the, the shirt you're wearing, Amon Ra, like Marduk, that was Marduk. They said he was in control of the planet for a long time. Right. He's a demigod. Yeah. Because, it, but, like, but, but, but how does Shiva and them tie into the Anunnaki? And how, how do they, do they let them run the planet? Or what do they have to, are they running things in the background, Shiva and Krishna and them? Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people in, in their analysis of who's controlling and pulling the strings, they, they arrive at the government and then they arrive at the reptilians and then they arrive at uh, artificial intelligence. But there, there are other levels of control that, that go beyond all of that. And, and that's where you get into the Godhead. Yeah. The Godhead is actually controlling all the demigods. And, and on this planet, there are 33 million demigods. How are there that many? Well, there's, uh, you know, billions of entities in creation. Yeah. And there are different categories of living entities. And then there's demigods and demons and angels, spirits. And then there's uh, deities, like Godhead type of deities, which are like up on the top. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I never really thought of it that way. I always just thought of it as like, maybe they were, you know, um, and do you think the gods are extraterrestrial? Well, they would have to be, right? Because they're... No, no, not, not the Godhead. The, the demigods are, you could say, are extraterrestrial, yeah. Um, it, it's really hard to make a distinction between a extraterrestrial, a demon, or an angel. Yeah, they they all seem to be the same. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I talked to those guys, uh, Brian Allen and Barry Fitzgerald, about that. They they uh, they're like tricksters. Like they all. They they all wear the same face, or they show you different faces, but they're all the same, like an angel, a demon. But um, they they were on the in the they they came to the conclusion that these they, they things are more malevolent than benevolent. Uh, I think it was Preston was saying in in the interview with Dolly that uh, ETs are. Uh, uh, benevolent and that this whole thing about them wanting to invade us and stuff like that is uh, just not true. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 
See, it's, it's hard. I, I don't know what to believe because I take in so much stuff from so many different people. You know, I, I just kind of just let everything just kind of happen. You know, I don't usually, I don't know what to, what to believe, you know? Well, when the, when the lockdowns first started a couple of years ago, uh, I had a knot in my stomach for about three months. And then uh, one day I woke up and I said to myself, there's no boogeyman under the bed. You know? Yeah. The knot in my stomach went away. Yeah. And then I realized that that's it. That, that's exactly it. I mean, what, what are you afraid of? Yeah, there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to have fear. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in your mind. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so, you know, right now it's like... Um, you know, there's this divide and conquer sort of thing where, uh, you know, we're all disagreeing with each other and fighting and killing and violence and bloodshed and all this stuff kind of go, going along. Well, part of what that's all about is we're in the age of Kali. And the age of Kali means the age of quarrel. Yeah. The age of ignorance and the age of quarrel. Uh, you know, part of the reason why we're disagreeing so much with each other is because we're, we're in this age, it's the last of the, the four ages, which is the most degraded of all the ages. In fact, in this age, we have a an, an angel on this shoulder and a devil on the other. Are we heading into a golden age, though? We're, we're transcending into something which is, I think, much better than what's happening now. Yeah, so our next lives will be a lot better than this, hopefully. Uh, it depends on the individual. Yeah. Like the evolution of the individual? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's true that you do manifest your reality from your thoughts, but what you don't realize most of the time is that a lot of the negative thoughts that you have is also manifesting a negative reality yeah it's hard to control those negative thoughts though you know what i mean sometimes those negative thoughts aren't your own they're, they're, they're like entities talking in your head yeah it's uh it's kind of like the idea of somebody who's been like poor all their life and all of a sudden they win like a hundred million dollars in the lottery well those those energy those currents of energy of you know massive amounts of money is not something that you were brought up to, to understand how to control. So it's sort of like the idea of a, a cowboy trying to stay on the back of a bull in the rodeo. <laughs> yeah. You know that the cowboy can't stay on the bull. Yeah. Right? They they always get thrown off. Yeah. I mean I mean look at these these Hollywood uh, movie stars. I mean, there were nobody. And then they started making movies and they got famous. They got millions of dollars, millions of fans. You know, they wound up living in a van down by the river. <laughs> or, or they wind up jumping off of a, a bridge or something. Yeah. I mean, look what happened to Phil Hartman. Yeah. You, you remember Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live? I remember him, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, his wife shot him in the face. That's horrible, yeah. 
I remember that. Some people, I, I mean, you know, these people die just like everybody else. Like, look at Richard Pryor, for example. You know, died. I think about how many actors and stuff die of drugs. You know, like that. That's that's. I mean, like uh, Richard Pryor, Chris Farley. Um, I'm, you know, I love Chris Farley. I, I love. I like a lot of comedians. So I, I always watch the comedian deaths. You know, like um, yeah. they're uh, they're really tragic because. You know, somebody that can bring laughter into this world is a special person because I like to laugh. You know, like when you were cracking jokes earlier, I like that because, you know, like a lot of times when I'm feeling down, laughter is the best thing. So I always look up to the comedians, you know, in the world. And they always, a lot of them have rough endings, you know. And I'm not know so much nowadays. A lot of the more modern comedians are a, a lot more on track. But, you know, back in the day, like Sam Kennison, you know, like was another one, you know, like, um, yeah. you know this, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's really worse than living a, an entire life of poverty would be, uh, you know, getting a lottery ticket and thinking that you won a hundred million dollars and then you find out it was off by two or three numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you get all excited and, and then you go back and check the numbers and realize that, you know, you didn't even win a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's, that's that, painful. That's life, you know. Yeah, and you would remember that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. But but if you just lived your life, you know, a somewhat normal life as as a poor person from the day you were born till till the day that you died and had that continuity and it never changed, that's not so bad. Yeah, it's not because you're used to it. Yeah, and then you know you're not you're not having these expectations that are really unrealistic. Yeah. Well, is there any? I got to do another podcast at ten. Do you want to close any closing words before we get off here for the night? Uh, I just want to say, like before, uh, you know, if somebody wants to learn the dice method, they can uh, get a palm reading and send me the two photos of each hand and. We can start there. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I might want to get another reading, see what my future uh, holds. Like I'll I'll contact you about that. I'll have to resend you uh to resend you images of my palm or whatever. And uh you know, um yeah, because I'm 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 I have tarot cards, but I don't I'd, I'd like to get a real real reading and see what it says, you know? Yeah. But um, I thanks for doing this, Jim. This was fun, and uh, I'll send you a link when I post it. All right, thanks, man. All right, I always have fun, Jim. Thanks. Have a good night.